Father, we thank you for your word. God, you sent your word and your word heals our disease. We thank you, Lord God, that this morning, God, your word that goes forth out of your mouth, it shall not return unto you void, but it shall accomplish that which you please, and it will prosper in the thing whereto you sent it. So, Father, send your word this morning with clarity, with authority, with power, with conviction. Prepare the heart of the hearer. Allow us to receive what you are saying to this church. Father, we bind every principality, every spiritual wickedness in high place. We command you to go now in Jesus' name. Lord, send angels in this room to encamp around about us, Lord God, to minister to our hearts, to take this word and inscribe it on the tables of our heart that we might not sin against you. Father, we thank you in this place. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Just before you sit down, we're transitioning from my spiritual authority series to a brand new series. So today you hear it a good day because I'm introducing a brand new sermon series to the body of Christ. And so before you sit, will you help me pin my sermon series and my sermon title at the same time uh, from this story? Will you look at three people and just tell them this? Tell them, give it away. Just tell them, give it away. Give it away. Give it away. Just give it away. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Give, give it away. Again, I just shared with you that we just, we're transitioning to a brand new sermon series. And the sermon series that God has given, uh, placed on my heart this year, excuse me, this month, for all of us, God told me to tell the people to just give it away. This is a very, very interesting story. It's a story about Jesus and his interaction with a young man. A very astute young man, Matthew writes about him, Mark writes about him, even Luke writes about him. He is written about in the Synoptic Gospels. Every one of these writers are looking at him through a slightly different lens. But there's a few things that we understand about this young man that makes us love him, that makes us understand him. I certainly understand where this young man is coming from. The Bible says that there's a couple of things about him. Number one, the Bible calls him rich. He was a wealthy young man, a wealthy young man. Uh, he was a rich, and then he was young. He was young, and he was rich. That's a dichotomy in and of itself. He was young, and he was rich. So just because you're young don't mean that you can't be loaded. Amen. He was young, and he was rich. He was rich and young, and the Bible also says that he was a ruler, now, that, now that, 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 that's a beautiful picture when we look at this young man and he, he's, he's young and he's, he's, he's rich and he is a ruler, which means that he was a leader in a synagogue or he was a leader in some type of temple. We just know that wherever there was some type of legislative government, this young man was a part of that system. He was a rich, he was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. He didn't stop there. The Bible says that this young man, watch this, although he was rich and although he was young, although he was a ruler, he had esteem, he had prestige. The Bible says that he ran to Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful picture to see a man that had all of the, all of the accoutrements that this life has to offer? You see him running to Jesus. Typically in scripture, when you see people uh, who are wealthy, they oftentimes stand back. They don't run and they certainly don't kneel down. But this young man, he runs to Jesus and he kneels down at the feet of Jesus. Now this 
is the type of man that you want coming home asking for your daughter's hand in marriage. He was young, he was rich, he was a ruler, and he was running after Jesus. He runs to Jesus, kneels down at Jesus' feet, and he calls him, he calls him good master, a good teacher. Um, and so Jesus deals with this whole teacher element, all the, the good element. Jesus says to him, he says, why callest thou me good? There is no, no one good but the Father which is in heaven. What he's saying to him is be careful about putting titles and putting these things on people because in, in, in us there lies no good thing. The only thing that's good in us is the God in us. Amen. So he says there's none good but the Father. He looks at Jesus and he says, he says, Jesus, what must I do? Beautiful question. It is the question of many seekers. What must I do to have eternal life? This eternal life thing. I, I don't want to die and go to hell. I, I, I want, I, I've got all the things that this world can offer, but I want eternal life. Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus then has a very quaint conversation with him. He says, he said, you know what the commandments are. He said, he said, don't commit adultery. Do not murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud. Honor your father and mother. And this young, rich young man says, he says, oh, good. If that's all I have to do, he says, I, I've done these things from my youth. I've kept these things all from my youth. He was feeling like he was okay. He was at a point, Jesus said, do this, 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 and this. He said, this, 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 good. I got it. Then Jesus looks at him. I can see the smile on his face. He's smiling and saying, okay, cool. It's all good. Jesus said, yeah, but you still lack one thing. He says, okay, what is it? Well, tell, tell me, tell me what, what is it. Whatever I need, if it's only one thing, tell me what it is because I can do one more thing. Tell me what it is. Jesus then says, sell everything. In other words, he says, give it away. Sell it, give it to the poor. Sell it, take the money, give the money to the poor. Now we've got a problem. Because how many times in scripture do you see someone coming to Jesus excited and then leaving sorrowful. Typically in scripture, you see people coming to Jesus sorrowful and leaving excited. But this time, this man comes to Jesus excited, but he leaves sorrowful. Now we've got a problem. And you know what? I can't say that I don't understand because I kind of understand where this guy is coming from. I grew up in, in meager beginnings. I grew up in a little small town, and uh, my family was sharecroppers, and the house that we lived in, we didn't own it. The land that we lived on, we didn't own that land. We worked for the people who owned the land and owned the house, and I get it. And so um, I was the oldest of three boys, oldest of three boys, and my mom worked two jobs to make ends meet, and she did the best that she could. And, and because I was the oldest of three boys, whenever I would get new clothes the next year, I would have to pass it down to my brothers. Now, for those of you who, who, who grew up rich, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's called hand me. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about in this house. That's called hand me down. We would pass it down to our brothers and sisters, and, and so my younger brothers would benefit from the clothes that I would get. I would have to pass it down. And so, you know, mama couldn't afford the nice shoes, and so, you know, we, she'd buy some shoes from different places, and, and I had an uncle. My uncle joined the Marines. He joined the Marines, and he went to San Diego, California, and he remembered us way back in Mississippi. So my uncle, bless his wonderful heart, 
and he sends me my first pair of name brand tennis shoes. My first pair of name brand tennis shoes. He sends me a pair of high top Reeboks. Oh, you couldn't tell me nothing. Oh, when I got those Reeboks, I was on the top of the world. Oh, I used to hug my Reeboks. I used to open up the box top and just smell all that beautiful leather. I'm not exaggerating either. I used to have nightmares as somebody stole my shoes. Wake up in the middle of the night in a profuse sweat, looking up under the bed, making sure my shoes still up under the bed. Oh, I love my hot top Reeboks. Loved them. Whenever I got done playing, I would, I would take them and I would rub them off, you know. But back in those days, you had, you had school shoes and you had play shoes. Yeah, when you came home, you took off your school shoes. Those were my school shoes. I rubbed them off and I, I, made, them, I made them look real good. I take them off, put them right back in the box, lay them down on the side real good. Take your little piece of paper, put that little piece of clear paper over, let the top down, slide it back underneath the bed. Oh, those were my shoes. Never had a pair of name brand shoes in my life, but I had a pair that year. Glory to God. And it was really cool because, because I wanted people to see them, but I didn't know how to make people see them, so I just grew tall and my pants started flooding. You could see my shoes real good. I wanted people to see my Reeboks. Oh, when I walked down the hall, kids were saying, where did you get those Reeboks? I was proud to tell them. Got these from California, bro. I did. I was proud of my high top Reeboks. Warm all year. Loud and proud. Walking through the hall. Big man on campus. Six foot two. 97 pounds. Soaking wet. Love my shoes. The next year. I was going to wear my shoes again the next year. Mama comes to me. Mama says, baby, it's time. <laughs> I can't afford all the awesome shoes. It's time to pass your shoes down to your brother. And that's as mama said, give them away. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. She said, baby, give him Pass the shoes down to your brother. You're taking good care of them. Pass them down to your brother, and I'll buy you another pair. I didn't trust my mama. <laughs> I know the type of shoes my mama used to buy. And I was thinking in my mind, if I give up my Reeboks, you're going to try to put me in a pair of these. No offense if you got some Velcro shoes in here. No offense to you. <laughs> but you have to have a town, have come from a town that has a Piggly Wiggly to understand what those shoes are. Oh, those are pro wings, baby. Those are pro wings. Dude, you got pro wings. You didn't get pro wings in a box. They came off a clip strip. <laughs> Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I was having a hard time. So in my mind, my mama said, I'm going to buy you another pair of shoes. This is, these are the shoes that I had in mind. I said, oh, no, you won't. <laughs> I can't walk with some Reeboks one year. <laughs> then show with some Pro Wings the next year. People are going to think I'm doing bad. 
Mama came home one day and she said, baby, where are those, where are those shoes? Go ahead and give them to your brother. Uh, I, I, start, I, said, I start looking around the house. She said, baby, where are the shoes at? I said, mama, I'm looking for them. Brother was looking. We was all looking. And she said, boy, where are those shoes at? I said, mama, I can't find those shoes nowhere in this house. <laughs> I can tell y'all this now. You know why I couldn't find them in the house? Because I hid them outside the house. <laughs> My mama looked at me and she said, boy, I'm going to go to work. By the time I get back, if those shoes are not in this house, I'm going to beat you like you stole something. I've never been beat like I stole anything. But just the way, she, the way she sounded when she said it made me realize I don't want that beating. But can you imagine how I felt having to give something away that I've, that I've placed so much value in? I've, I've increased these shoes' value in my heart. I've placed so much value, and now my mom comes, and my mom says, Baby, I know you got a lot of value. I know you've you taken care of these shoes, but now I need you to give it away. Isn't that difficult? It's difficult to give away something that, that you place so much value in. But that's the very thing that Jesus says to this rich young ruler. Jesus says to the rich young ruler, he says, take everything that you have and I want you to sell it and I want you just to give everything away. The Bible says he walked away sorrowful because what he had was too great. So then, so then he said, there's one thing that you like. There are three things, three requests that Jesus gives this rich young man. No more than request. He said, give it all away. Then he says, take up your cross. And the third request was follow me. He said, give it all away. Take up your cross and follow me. I think that there are some things that we can learn from these three requests that Jesus makes to this rich young ruler. He said, he said, give it all away. Take up your cross and follow me. There are some three things that we learn from this story of the rich young ruler. He told him to give it all away. Now, now, now listen, I got to be honest. I got to be honest. I, I don't think that Jesus would have allowed him to give away everything and become poor again. I don't think that that's what Jesus meant. I don't think Jesus, I don't think Jesus meant for him to just go take everything, clear out his bank account and save his account and give away everything and now he's dirt poor. I don't think that's what Jesus meant. I think the command to sell everything was not about ownership, it was about lordship. Because Jesus was asking this young man, who's really the Lord of your life? Glory to God. I think what he was saying is, is that you have made this stuff your God. Here's what God said. God said, if you love anything more than you love me, you're not fit for the kingdom. Jesus was showing this young man, yeah, you have a lot of stuff, but the problem is it's, it's, it's okay to have stuff, but you're not supposed to let stuff have you. It wasn't about ownership. It was about lordship. So he said, take everything you have, and you take everything you have, sell it, give it away. Now watch this. Here's what I believe. I believe it would have been like Abraham. Remember when God told Abraham, Abraham, go, I need you to sacrifice your son Isaac. Sacrifice him on the altar. Abraham takes his son. He's walking with his son. He tells the rest of the servants, you guys stay here. Me and the lad, we're going to go yonder. And 
Abraham and Isaac are walking. Isaac looks at his daddy. He looks down the road. He sees the altar. He looks at his daddy. He looks at the altar. Looks around. Didn't see anything else. He looks at Abraham and says, yo, pops. I see the wood. I see the knife. But where is the sacrifice? Abraham looks at his son and said, baby, don't worry about it. God will provide himself. A lamb. God's going to provide the sacrifice. And then when Abraham gets there, he puts his son Isaac on the altar. He takes up the knife about to kill his own son. God speaks to Abraham and says, Abraham, do not touch that boy. I know now where your heart is. I know now that you don't love anything as much as you love me. I know now that I'm number one in your life because if you're willing to give up your son for me, there is nothing that you love more than me in this world. I believe if the rich young ruler had went and started selling his things and depleted his bank account, I believe Jesus would have said, wait a minute, son, I see now that you love me more than you love anything. And I believe that he says, you, you're worthy now. In other words, now you understand what eternal life, is, eternal life is. Now you understand lordship. Now you get it. Because, because what happens is, what happens is God wants to bless you and God wants to bless us, but God don't want the blessing to take his place in our lives. Well, how do we keep the blessing from taking God's place in our lives? Well, God set up a tithing system to help us, to, to keep us humble so that when he blesses us, we give. He blesses us, we give. He blesses us, we give. And what happens now, the more you give, the more you receive. So giving actually increases your capacity to receive. I just said something. Y'all ain't shouted yet. Oh, that was good right there. Watch this. Check, check me out. Check me out. Watch this. Jesus told him to sell everything. To sell everything that you have, give to the poor. Watch this. All he tells you is, bring 10%. That's all he says to you, bring 10%. Now watch this. Which would you rather do? Sell everything or just bring 10%? He's saying, listen, bring 10% and the 10%, when you honor me with the tithe, when you honor me with that, you're showing me, you're showing me that you love me above your money. That you love me above your stuff. Glory, I'm preaching better than y'all saying Amen. Oh, this message is for us this morning. And here's what God said. We've got to give it away. Give it away. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm in no wise suggesting that you go home and clear your house out. And get, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that the things that God has given you mastery over, given you control over, instead of having a closed fist and holding it so close, God said, open up your hands and give everything that you have back to me. That's all he was saying to the rich young ruler. Open up your hands, take everything that you have, and give it back to me. He says, he says, it's not about ownership, it's about lordship. He says, give it all away. Then he said to him, take up your cross. Now let's look at this. He says, take up your cross. Many times when we hear the word taking up the cross, the cross has become a symbol of grace and become a symbol of Jesus' love toward us. So we see it as a, as a symbol of his mercy and grace. And we hang, we hang uh, our crosses around our neck. We put them in our houses. And some of them hanging in our river mirror in our car. And we see that. But that's not, that's not the definition of cross that Jesus was talking about. Many people see cross as your burden. Well, that's my burden. Well, that's my cross to bear. 
If you've got some children, if you've got a sickness in your body, we say, that's my cross to bear. you got something happening in your family, you say, that's my cross to bear. Something happening on your job, you say, that's my cross to bear. So many, some people see it as love and grace. Some people as a, see it as a, as, a, as a burden to bear. But neither one of those is what Jesus is talking about when he says, take up my cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. When, when you have to remember that in Jesus' day, when they saw the cross, the cross was a death sentence. When they saw the cross, the cross was not a symbol of grace because, because male factors in those days or criminals in those days had to carry their own cross up Golgotha's hill and be crucified at the stake. One of the worst deaths that any human being could ever say. So when he said, take up your cross, what the rich young ruler saw was him as a criminal walking up Golgotha's hill to be executed. So what is God saying to us? What, is, what do we learn, what do we learn uh, from him when he says, take up your cross? Watch this. The cross is not about suffering. It's about complete and absolute surrender. God is saying, he's asking us, are you willing to surrender everything even to the point of death for my sake? That's what God is saying to us. And he says, are we willing to, to, to completely surrender, to die to ourselves? To take up the cross and follow me means being willing to die in order to follow Jesus. Dying to yourself. Absolute surrender. Commitment to Christ means taking up your cross daily. He told his disciples the same thing. He said, listen, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to come after me, you've got to take up your cross. That means absolute surrender. Here's my question to you and every person on your road. Have you completely sold out for God? Have you, have you sold out for God so much so that you're willing to die if he, if he needs for you to die? You, that, that, you're willing, that you're willing to say, God, for God I live and for God I die. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Are we at that place in our lives? That's the question that he's asking the rich young ruler. So it's not about suffering. It's about surrender. That means we have to crucify our flesh every day. You've got to die to self. Now, that's hard. That's hard to do. You have to die to self. Every day, you have to die to self. That means you got some, some, watch this, some people have to die to sweets. Because if your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, and you want to be fit for the journey that God has ahead of you. Then when God starts letting you know that there's some things you got to die, you have to die to. There's some things that your flesh just wants. But God said you've got to be, you've got to be sold out. Absolute surrender. God, whatever breaks your heart, let it break my heart. There's some movies you've got to die to. There's some daytime television we've got to die to. I got a couple of amens. There's some social media we've got to die to. If we're going to do the thing that God is desiring for us to do in our lives, we've got to crucify this flesh. Oh, because the flesh is crazy. The flesh is, because the flesh wants what it wants. Glory to God. You ever been, you ever been trying to do a fast? 
and all your friends want to go out to eat. They never bought you food before. Now all of a sudden, I'll buy. And your flesh starts screaming because you know you're supposed to be on a fast. But here's what you say. Well, I, I, I just cheat a little bit today. How you just going to make yourself a cheat day? That wasn't planned. No, what happened was you gave your flesh what it wanted. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me uh, flatten the playing field. Every human in this room, every human being in this room today, there is an area in your life that God is trying to get you to die to. Every person in this room, there is something that your flesh desires, something that your flesh enjoys. Name some of the stuff your flesh enjoys. Yell it out. Chocolate chip cookies. Little Debbie cookies. Say what? Ribs. Say what kind of soda? Dr. Pepper. Sprite. Tea, sweet tea. What else? Pepsi, you trying to you picking on me now? <laughs> Fried pork chops, bread, pasta, pizza. What a turducken? But listen, how can y'all name all of that stuff? Because you know, you know the Holy Spirit's been telling you to lay off that stuff. You know the Holy Spirit's been on you and you, you, just, you just turned 40 and your eyes got bad. And God, God's been, God's been telling you, lay off this, you know, cut back on this, slow down on this, don't do that, because God is trying to get you to absolutely surrender to Him, to die to your flesh, and stop fulfilling the lust and the desires of the flesh. That's the thing that God's trying to get us to do. And you know what that means? That that means taking up that cross. That means God, whatever you put on my heart, whatever you tell me to do, even if it hurts me, I'm going to do it. Woo! If I, never have, if I never eat another chocolate chip cookie, God, if that's what you tell me. It got quiet on that side. But it means complete and total surrender. What if God tells you to forgive somebody who has not asked for forgiveness? Are you prepared to completely surrender and say, God, because I understand that I have to forgive so that I can be forgiven, I completely surrender to you in this regard. What if God says, okay, I need you to remain abstinent until you get married? Okay, now this out of it got quiet. What if God says, I, I want you to be celibate until you get married? Glory to God. Are you willing to say, you know what, God, because I'm completely surrendered to you, I'm sold out 
You know what that is? Taking up that cross. What if, what if you're a man and God tells you, you need to love your mean wife? You're getting quiet, boy. God, because you said it, I'm totally surrendered to you. What if you're a wife and God says you need to love that old mean, bald-headed husband? Maybe he got some hair still. What, what if God said, okay, I, 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 need you to, I need you to still love him. You want to cut him. God said, God said, go in there and cook for him. <laughs> what if God says to you, man, you need to go fill her car full of gas. Yes, she's going to run it out, and when she runs it out, fill it up again. God, because I'm, I'm, I'm totally surrendered. God, whatever you say, that's what I'll do. That's what God is asking for. That's what he's talking to rich and ruler about. Are you willing to do whatever I say? Are you willing to do whatever I'm asking you to do? Are you willing to do that? And the rich young ruler said, I don't know if I can do everything you're asking me to do. As it with many, many people, even the body of Christ. God, I'll do some things. I'll do this, 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 this. But there's some things now you can't ask me to do that. You can't ask me to put away my weed. No, I don't know about that. I don't know about that now. I'll come to church, but I ain't going to quit smoking. I'll come to church, but I ain't going to quit drinking. I won't quit, I won't, I won't quit drinking. And so, and so for, that's what he's asking the strong ruler. Are you willing to take up your cross? That's the question for you. Are you willing to take up your cross? Are you willing to do that? That's what he's saying to us. Are we willing to take up our cross so that we can follow after him? Are we willing to lay aside, watch this, every weight? Everything's not a sin. Some things are just weight. That there's some things that you are carrying that's not a sin, but, that, but, it, but you're not anointed to carry certain things. There's some things, that, watch this, that, that there are some people that you're not anointed to help. You can help them, but you're not anointed to help. Because the more you help, the more people, try, the more people come looking for help. So there are some people that's not sin, but it's weight. And God said, lay aside every weight and the sin. That's so easily. That's so easily. That's what he's talking to the rich young ruler about. He didn't stop there. And then lastly, he says, he says to him, he says, come and follow me. Give it all away. Take up your cross. Absolute surrender. And then he says, come follow me. Now, I end with this. When Jesus said, come follow me, Jesus didn't say that because he needed an entourage. He didn't say that because he needed a bunch of people behind him. Jesus, oh, God has angels ascending and descending all the time. Angels are bowing before the throne, crying, holy, holy, holy. So he doesn't need an entourage. The call to follow Jesus was not about pride. It was about purpose. Because Jesus said, come follow me, and I'll help you to know what your purpose is. Same thing he told the disciples. He tells the disciples, he said, he said come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, I'll introduce you to purpose. That, that's what God is saying to us. He's saying to us all over this room. He said, if you follow me, I'll show you what purpose is. I told him a story in the first, the first service. I thought it was, it was a really, really good uh, uh, analogy. But I, Trinity and I, we were riding with some friends. And we were in their car. They had a GPS 
on. And, and so we were riding GPS, were telling us where to go and how to direct ourselves. And it was really cool. And then we're riding in the car. All of a sudden, the GPS says something that messed me up. GPS said, speed trap just ahead. I said, yeah, right. How can a GPS know that there's a speed trap up ahead? So I'm, I blow it off. I said, oh, that's crazy. That thing just talking. Sure enough, a few miles up the road, there was a police on the side of the road with a little police scanner. And I'm thinking in my mind, how in the world did that GPS know that that was a speed trap? up the road. Then I start thinking, I said, wait a minute, what if we had not obeyed what the GPS said? The GPS was trying to keep us from falling into a trap. We all have GPS, the global positioning system, but what God is trying to introduce us to is a God positioning system. In the same way we listen to our GPS, in that same way, if we listen to God, here's what God will say, baby, don't go that way. There's a trap up ahead. Don't, don't deal with that person. That person doesn't mean you well. If we listen to him, if we, if we follow him, he said in his word, he said, if you acknowledge me in all of your ways, I'll direct your path. So he says, he says, take up your cross, absolute surrender, and follow me. Here's, here's what he says, he says to his disciples. He says, he looks at his disciples, and he says, you guys need to understand something. When you follow me, remember this. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But that may be sometimes when you're rocking with me, you may not have a place to lay your head. I need you to understand some things. He said, listen, if you're going to come after me, give it all away. Don't bring your purse. Don't bring your wallet. Don't bring money. Just come. This is complete and total surrender. What our world is missing today are Christians who are sold out for him. Christians who say, God, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. There are times when I've had to go back and apologize to my wife. Even times I didn't feel like I was wrong. I did it because God said it. There were times when I wanted to say something. God said, you hold your peace. Hold your be still and hold your peace. I wanted to say something, but I, but I said, God, because you said it. Complete, absolute surrender. So what am I saying to you? What am I saying to you? I'm saying to you, and in this whole series, we're going to talk about this. Giving it away is not about you going home, selling out, selling your house. Giving it away is taking everything that you have, instead of closing your hands, you open your hands to God, and you say, God, whatever you want to take from my hands, you can take it. And likewise, whatever you want to add to my life, you can add it. I was holding on to those Reeboks. I was mad, mad at my brother, mad at my mom. I was so angry. I had to give my shoes away. What I didn't know was my mom had been saving, saving up some money. My mom takes me to the store and 
She says, baby, what shoes do you want? And I was thinking, I don't know. So I was looking at the shoes, $20, $30 shoes. You know, I might get a pair of these. My mom says, no, baby, you don't have to get any of these. She said, go look over there. I walked over there, and, and I was a little bit perplexed, and she said, baby, aren't these the type of shoes that the kids are wearing at your school? And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, but those cost more than the Reeboks. She said, baby, I know. She said, I've been saving up. I knew you were going to have a hard time giving up those shoes, but because you gave them up, I want to get you something even better than what you had. What I'm saying to you is, give it away. Stuff is just stuff. It's all going to burn up. It's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. If it stays here long enough, it's all going to burn. God's going to destroy this world with fire. He said, I won't do it with water. It's going to be fire next time. <laughs> and this world's going to burn up with fervent heat. Open your hands. God, whatever is mine is yours. Will you help me? Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much. Every person, for every person in this room. Lord, I pray that we all hear the word and we all understand, Lord God, that we can, that we can go, we can draw near unto you. And Father, you said you would draw nigh unto us. Lord, teach us the principle of letting go. The principle of opening up our hands and allowing you to receive everything that's in our hands. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person in this room, for every individual, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for the grace that's on this house. And I pray that the grace that's on this house will be on all of our homes. So, Father, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Now listen, you may be in this room and you say, Pastor Love, man, I, I need to open up my life and give my life to God. I want God to have my life. Not just the stuff, but I want God to have my life. Maybe you haven't invited Jesus into your heart yet. Maybe you did it when you were young and you just need to recommit yourself. If you're in this room, I'll ask that you pray this simple prayer with me. If you're in this room, will you bow real quick and play, pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord, have mercy on me as a sinner. I've done some things wrong, and I'm not proud of it. But your word says, if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life for the rest of my life. I receive you as my father. Receive me as your child. Now with the confession of my mouth and the belief in my heart, I am now saved in Jesus' name. Will you give the Lord a round of applause?